what attracts you to San Francisco is the creativity, is the openness, the minds, the just the willingness to be zany and creative, which is what San Francisco represents, or at least in my head. It's frustrating to see it transition to more of a moneyed place where it's about the bottom line rather than the beauty of the place. That was photographer Doug Salen. I'm Jeff, and this is Storied San Francisco. In this podcast, Doug digs deeper into his family's history. His great uncle went by the name Wolo, and in the 1920s and 30s, did his art from a home base in North Beach. This attracted Doug's dad to make the move west, which he did. Soon enough, Doug's parents met, got married, moved to Marin, and had kids. Doug talks about growing up in Marin, going to college in Santa Clara, and moving to San Francisco, which he recounted for us in part one. He ends this episode with his thoughts on what it means to still be here in San Francisco. Here's Doug. No, my father was, uh, he, he had been moving around Germany okay. uh, at that time. His father was, uh, my grandfather was a professor of economics mm-hmm. and worked at various, uh, I want to say, colleges, universities. Mm-hmm. And um, so they settled in, uh, in uh, Basel, Switzerland. And um, so he, uh, after the war, uh, you know, there was a lot of tension during the war, and there was a lot uh, that contributed to my father being who he was. But one of the things that impacted him probably greatly over his life is that all of his friends died in the war. Right. He had no, so he had family, and his family survived, but all the close people that he grew up with, none of them survived. And many of them were involved with the various uh, aspects of trying to get rid of Hitler. Mm. So they were... They Resistance? Were, what, are they, the resi- what, what were well, they called? There was, a huge, there was a huge plot to murder Hitler. Mm-hmm. And my father's uh, father and all of their friends were involved in okay. that, in that um, to a pretty high degree. And your father was in Frankfurt or... He was born in Heidelberg. Oh yeah, and then during the war, I guess he before the he'd moved around to a couple of different places in Germany, but through the war he was in in Switzerland. Okay, so he 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 grew up in Switzerland, but he would tell me stories about taking a gun to school. Mm-hmm. You know that he was always worried that 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 the Nazis were, were going to show were going to show up, and he was and they were clearly on the list of people that they were looking for. That's got to be traumatizing, also. But it's 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 enough. I mean, it's enough to yeah. to give you pause. I mean. Right. So, and people who would be visiting his father, who was also running things back and forth to Germany whenever he could. Okay. Um, however he could, you know, that they were doing things that were not necessarily going to do them well. Right. Um, but uh, things happened. So he comes to the United States, to New York. Uh, I don't believe he went to Ellis Island. <laughs> so he does not have an Ellis Island story. Do you know how old he was? Uh, he came, I want to say he came in 1946, perhaps. Okay. So he would have been 22. Okay. Perhaps 22, lands in New York. I mean, becomes a an, kid. Becomes an editor for the uh, uh, Academy of Sciences. He was an editor. Oh. So my dad hi- was highly educated, spoke, you know, probably five or six languages, wrote, wow. you know, two or three languages. 
Um, when you say editor, you mean of words. Uh, he was an editor of like some science, some journals, science uh, journals. For the, okay, uh, uh, you know, Academy of Sciences. Got it. That he he had done some things, but he was a. Uh, you know his his father kind of referred to him as sort of a playboy. Okay. That he was he was very very fashionable, very mm-hmm. elegant, very you know very posh kind of a, mm-hmm. you know is how he presented himself, and that's just kind of sort of his roots. Mm-hmm. Um, Less of a Zionist than his than his. I don't. I aunt? never. I did, He was actually raised more Lutheran. Okay. His father was Jewish, but he was. His parents divorced when he was very young, and he his mother left his father with the two kids because I think in that in those days the 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 parental rights refer probably reflect referred more to the default father, to the mo- to the father oh to the, the father okay yeah, in Germany I think but his mother his mother left um, which gets to a little more interesting side of the family because um, my grandmother. Um, I just knew her as Grammy Charlotte, but she was also the, uh, by birth, she was, um, uh, her last name was uh, Trutschler von Falkenstein. Okay. So she, uh, uh, I, I get it confused, but that was that was her birth name. Um, we're getting there. And uh, <laughs> it's interesting because after she divorced my grandfather, who was Salem, she married the Count Fink von Finkenstein. Okay. So all of my mail to my to my grandmother was addressed to the Countess Charlotte Fink von Finkenstein. Okay. Which I thought that's always was very it's interesting. Fun. Yeah. You know, but her brother, her brother had emigrated to the U.S. in the twenties. This is your dad's uncle now. My dad's uncle. Okay. In the 1920s. In the 20s. Okay. And he landed in Minnesota? Mm. Wisconsin. Wisconsin. Okay. To study animal husbandry. But he had been raised in a military family, and he was to become a military person in, you know, Prussian sort of Aryan whatever. And he didn't want to have any part of it. And he's, you know, he. Good call. He was an artist. He could draw with either hand. He was ambidextrous. He was a wonderful storyteller, uh, and he was a puppeteer. Oh yeah. So and awesome. he he landed in North Beach. Oh, okay. So and this is your great uncle. My now. great uncle. So okay. my my father's great uncle was a gentleman named Wolo. Okay. Now his full name was nine different names. You know, Baron Eric Von Anton something. Wolf. Mm-hmm. You know. Trutschler von Falkenstein, but mm-hmm. he went by the name of Wolo, uh, and never wore shoes, only wore sandals. Mm. You know, wore necklaces. You know, mm-hmm. he wore. You know, he he was a fixture of North Beach. Okay, and he was. An and this ama- is the twenties, you said. This is in the twenties and thirties. Okay, and um, he did he did some WPA work in the Central Valley. I have some drawings that uh, he produced. Oh wow. Uh, of some camp workers and beautiful work. Mm-hmm. Um, so he was you know, doing whatever he could as an artist to get by. He also did caricatures. Mm. And for um, a time, I, I, for several years, I don't know the exact length of time that he did it, but he occupied a space in the Chronicle that was later occupied by a guy named Herb Kane. Okay. And so his space in the Chronicle was a caricature of the day let's call it mm. a, a vignette of the day of a picture of a scene of a person in san francisco and the uh the 
column was called I Saw You There. Mm. And the Chronicle would give you some sort of prize or something or frame it or whatever. You what it if you If you recognized either yourself or the scene or you... I think it was a person. Okay. You know, and he would do this. But not newsworthy. No. Necessarily. It wasn't just, news. Just it was whatever. Just, it was just around town. Purely a fun thing. Yeah. I, I saw you there. And, okay. And the, if you went down to the Chronicle's office, you know, you could collect your prize or whatever it was. <laughs> each, And he did it every day for years. And there, there are tons of these, you know... The, you could look up, look it up in the old chronicles. To find and he it. did all this under the name Wolo. He, he went by Wolo, W O L O. Okay. And he would usually sign it based on the year. So in addition, he um, and most people who have been here in San Francisco long enough will remember a restaurant called the Hippo. That okay, was, I've heard was, of the Hippo for the sure. The Hippo was on uh, Van S. Van S. Yeah. Around Greenwich, maybe. Okay. And uh, he did all the. Uh, uh, artwork for that restaurant for the hippo restaurant okay including the sign which was a big big pink hippo, hippo right so and he did that the hippo's name was petunia bilgebottom mm-hmm. and he always had interesting names and world had a very heavy uh, accent mm. extremely heavy accent but he he did that he did the the pizza restaurant in north beach mm-hmm. he did you know murals there he did the new pizza uh he also um did uh, murals in uh, many of the children's hospitals around the Bay Area. So he, over the years, he would just volunteer and do these these murals. I'm assuming he got paid, but he but all the children's wards and um, like Palo Alto, you can still find greeting cards of the walls of the Palo Alto uh, Children's Hospital. Awesome. You can still find copies of those cards. He did a series uh, for one of the local creameries. He did a series of let's call them pogs, or okay. the bottle caps for the milk bottles. Right of his of his caricatures of his of his creatures. Awesome. He did a series of children's stories, uh, of uh, that you can still find on eBay. So public like as books, a public uh, published books. Of, oh wow! Of, and he wrote the stories and uh, designed and illustrated the, uh, did all of the artwork and it's beautiful. It's beautiful artwork. You can still see, today some glimpses of some small pieces of his artwork every time you walk into Vesuvio's. Oh. His artwork... Where spe- Can you be more specific, please? At the entry to yeah. Vesuvio's, the yeah. first thing that you see, first little, right. the first door, if you're standing at the front door and you look around the perimeter of the front door, those are his drawings. Awesome. So, it's, Does he have anything to do with why your dad came here so my dad my dad came to um san francisco i think he may i don't know if he was sponsored by wolo Mm -hmm. but he may have he came to uh work uh with with wolo so he became from new york he so wolo in north beach also had um among other things for a time he had a uh toy store oh and the toy store was called happy things in North Beach. In North Beach. Okay. With a swing outside that you could sit on, and um, at any rate, um, happy only, things. Happy, happy things. That's a great name for a toy store. Happy things. That's kind of the best name ever for and a he, toy store. He he just knew, th- you know, he he was a playful, playful person. Did he have a family of his own? He had a couple of, uh, he had a couple of children. Yeah. Um, a, a son and a daughter. His spouse, I want to say she was highly, um, almost what we would call Christian. Okay. So she had very serious, strong, religious uh, 
background and yeah. beliefs. Yeah. And uh, I'm not so sure that I think there was a clash there. And I think that I um, that as as the kids the kids tended to be, I think they were divorced and and the kids were raised in a much more um, ecumenical sort of uh, okay. background, you know, Christian, your, Christian background. These would be your dad's cousins. These are my da- my dad's cousins, correct? Got it. Okay. And uh, they lived in Southern California, I okay. believe. And uh, so, but nevertheless, he, your dad your dad did come out here to be to be around Wolo and to work with him to uh, live with. Also, I think or? he I think he was li- my dad was living uh, on Montgomery Street, okay, uh, in North Beach. I mean, I have. I have the address right here. The uh, it's so funny because I was I was uh, there was a poet, famous poet who died recently, Ruth Weiss, mm-hmm. and they published you know where she used to live in North Beach, mm. and I said, God, that number's very familiar. Uh, and so uh, and I and I had just been given a pile of business cards that my dad. Uh, you know, from where he had lived. And um, one of the business cards was exactly this. Uh, here it is. It's 1010 Montgomery Street. Okay. And there was the same address that Ruth Weiss had lived in. In the, uh, in the maybe late 40s and early 50s. And I wonder if they had known each other. Right. You know, because here's this building with multiple German-speaking, you know, people living in. Right. And I'm just curious as to what that building represented. What was your dad's name? His name was Lothar. Lothar, Lothar Salem. Lothar Norbert Georg something other, you know, Wolfgang mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Salem. He had, a, again, everyone in my family had nine different names. Right. You know, it's, it's, a, it's a long process. So we said probably your parents met in North Beach, and now it makes a lot of sense. Do you know the story? My, my mother, I, I would typically call a bohemian. Okay. And at that time in the in the 40s, late 40s, North Beach was quite a place for Bohemians. Yes. And so she would have gone to art openings. She would have gone preceding to Preceding the Beats. Preceding right? the Beats, pre-Beat. And she would have gone to readings, poetry readings. My mother was a poet. Mm-hmm. She wrote poetry. Oh. She was an artist. She 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 did paintings. Mm-hmm. You know, so Wolo would have been someone that everybody knew in North right. Beach. And here's Wolo's uncle, uh, cousin. I mean, excuse me, Wolo's nephew, nephew, who dresses like someone Playboy, out of, like Playboy GQ, very sophisticated. My mother, who grew up reasonably well off in san francisco uh-huh. is got to be attracted to this guy that's got everything that she's looking for sounds like that happened so you know and he drove a sports car and, oh. you know i mean it's like okay so it's like this is kind of you know this was meant to be um i don't know again i don't know how they met and then you i know you have at least one brother are there more siblings or is it just the There's, two of you um so they got married and my dad was in in he was doing some printing uh, and uh, let's call it print brokering or, you know, just print coordinating for publication. And uh, they got married uh, and moved to San Rafael and her father helped set him up in business okay. with a printing company. So, so for the next 20 years, he was a printer. Okay. And uh, but did he work in the city or up there? No, worked in Satterfell. Okay, so, got it. But my mother was his uh, his delivery person, and uh, so she the binderies for things were in San Francisco. Right. So she would haul me and sometimes a sibling, and we would come into San Francisco on a regular basis to go to the binderies that were 
you know, the printing houses that were huge in San Francisco. And the the one we went to was a one called Cuthbert's, I remember. Mm. And it was near, uh, you know, what we what, what would become the Ice House, mm-hmm. you know, in sort of that Broadway and Battery area with mm-hmm. a lot of printing companies. And I remember her driving in the city all the time. And Do you remember growing up across the bay, uh, across the gate, actually, um, do you remember your first, or I guess I should say, what were your earliest memories of coming to San Francisco? Well, was it that? That was part of it. Usually, uh, the earliest memories are going to Playland at the beach. Ah. You know, and do you ever eat those enchiladas that everyone talks about? You know, I was going to get to the hot house. Oh, okay. <laughs> you know, because <laughs> something about more, I, maybe it's lunchtime and more enchiladas so, just more so me. than Playland at the beach were enchiladas at the hot yeah. house, yeah. and that is the number one memory of my childhood. Awesome. That, that everything revolves around. Have you ever had enchiladas to rival those? No. Yeah. No. And we're talking how many years ago? This. We're f- talking 50? early early sixties. Sixty years ago. Yeah. Early okay. 60s. That, You're not the first person to tell me that, by the way. They did relocate up on Balboa. I think they had a, a branch up on Balboa after Playland closed, and I remember going there again. Same great. Same. But just standing in line in the hot house while they put the onions and just prepared prepared your enchilada that the sauce that you know I, I have vivid visual memories of that entire process that i can't shake right it was, it was just it was that powerful right yeah, it was nothing like it yeah you know it's pure simple food with a little you know gingham gingham cardboard you know container with mm-hmm. a piece of wax paper and mm-hmm. you know and a I don't know if it was a plastic fork or it, I, I don't know how they served it. Didn't it didn't you know? matter. How did you eat it? I don't know, but it was it was brilliant. Yeah, you know. And then then you know you'd have your enchiladas and then you go play in the hot house and hopefully not throw up. But mm. uh, the, the the play you know going to the fun house at Playland was was every kid's dream. And yeah, we did that a lot. Yeah, I mean it wasn't a little. My mother, my mother. Um, her family is also related uh, to uh, the family that runs the uh, museum mechanique. Oh yeah. So um, those are those are related families. And I'm hoping she, to get them on next season. The, the, good. Yeah, because we're doing places next season. Yeah. So she would hang but, out yeah. and go and, and visit her cousin there, and yeah. we'd go hang out and play with the machines. My, yeah. Usually my sister and I, and sometimes my younger brother. Like from what age? How young were you? I would say probably six, yeah, six, wow. seven. Okay, and she would go hang out at the De Young Museum, and we, we would run around all the armor, oh, you know, in yeah. the De Young, and we yeah. just making noise, and you know, I mean, she'd be doing something, and we'd be running through the museum, you know, just or walking through the museum, but you know, but the experience was somewhat cultured and art, and seeing stuff and cool stuff. So it, it wasn't necessarily learning it from a book. It was seeing the real things. Did you, as a kid, did you feel that coming over the gate, that it was different here than where you lived? Or was it just, you know, it's it's where you live. I mean, I don't know that kids are think that sophisticatedly, but, you know, maybe, I don't know. Um, I've always been a sort of a self-starter. Okay. I've, I've, always had, I've always had a level of curiosity of the things around me. Uh, I remember when I was in kindergarten that uh, starting back in kindergarten that I was fascinated by the mailman 
he was really the coolest guy I knew. And every day, I would deliver the mail with him. Oh. So, you know, he'd come by our house, and I'd just... From there. From there, I delivered the mail until he got to school. And then I went to kindergarten. Yes. <laughs> but, it, I mean, but it gave me something to do. I hung out with this guy. Yeah. He was sort of my first mentor, was walking around the neighborhood in San Rafael until we got to the, the old school that okay. I went to. And I, I found that an interesting sort of thing to do. I mean, uh, by the time I was eight, I had my first like two speed, uh, three speed bicycle. Mm-hmm. And the, what do you do at that age? You take it apart. Mm-hmm. You know, I took my bike apart because I was curious about how it how, worked. How it worked yeah. You know, and it took me a long time to figure out how to put it back, back together. together. But it took. You know, <laughs> yeah. I really. But you'll learn. But I did learn. I'll I finally, learn. Yeah, I finally they say. got it back yeah. together, so yeah. I had a bike. You know, uh, so, and then when I was, I guess I was, I guess I was six with the six or seven when I was eight. My older brother Tony um, got a newspaper route. Okay. And I'm like up in San Rafael. Up in San Rafael. Yeah. And uh, downtown San Rafael. And I, and I said, well, that's cool. How come I don't have a newspaper? <laughs> you know, I'm eight years old. I'm in third grade. Mm-hmm. You know. And so I, I complained to my parents, and and they told the the IJ, and and the next thing I you know, I got a paper route. You know, at I was eight. At eight years old, yeah. I'm in third grade, and I'm delivering newspapers. Yeah. You know, um, it's like. Why not, right? Right. I mean, what eight, what every eight year old does, and my my newspaper route was downtown San Rafael. Mm. So I did from you know what was C Street down to Lincoln Street in downtown San Rafael, which included Macy's. I delivered to the courthouse, I delivered to the businesses, and every day I was around these business people. You know, I could buy ice cream sundaes. I could. I could take a break in the furniture store. I could talk to the guy that repaired typewriters. So it was highly mechanical. There was even a guy that made furs, and I'd go hang out with him. So my I grew up around all these people who were making stuff and doing things, and you know everything from businessmen to actual inventors and makers and things like that. Mm-hmm. So I, and I interacted with them on a daily basis. You mentioned San Jose, which is where you went to college, college. right? Yes. Um, what was that decision and? That was, well, again, I... And what was that transfer? What was, was that move like for you? I was never a really good student, but I was never a really bad student mm-hmm. um, because I, I think... B minus? You know, probably. B, probably, B minus, yeah. Uh, but I tested well. Okay. I was really good at, at guessing on tests, I think. <laughs> so I had a really great SAT score, mm-hmm. which opened a lot of doors to me. Okay. You know, because my, my grades, you know, my grades from the time I was in high school were pretty good for the last couple of years. But I mean, I never took an AP course. I never, I was never in any sort of advanced anything. I was always in the average sort of class. Okay. But for some reason, you know, my grades were always good enough and my scores were really good. And so my counselors you know said well what the hell so um i went to school down in the south bay at, at santa clara okay a fine fine jesuit institution mm-hmm. and i have a lot of good things to say about the jesuits and okay their, and their education it's outstanding right and they did i live over by usf and they did a yeah. lot for me and i'm very very grateful uh, cool of that experience um but that was you know but san jose was not san francisco no, and um, I have a I have one of my memories in Santa Clara is that I borrowed a friend's car, 
I drove up to San Francisco for the night because that's what you did. And this is like 1974, and there's a gas crisis on. Yeah. And I didn't have enough gas to get home. Okay. And you couldn't get gas if it wasn't your day to get gas. Rationing. Rationing right. was in play. And, and I had to get figure out how to get gas into his car to get home. And my sister was uh, dating uh, a young man at USF. Okay. Who she married. And they've been married forever. Uh, Michael and Literally Pat, my forever. sister Pat. Mm-hmm. And um, I thought, okay, I think she's visiting him at usf and i drove around the streets at usf and i saw her car so i go okay she's here so then i had to go track her down because i didn't know what dorm she was in i tracked her down and said can i siphon some gas out of your car (laughs) so and and in those days you carried a hose with you right because if you were stuck you couldn't get gas i love that you asked though Instead I of did, just I doing did, it, because you found ask. her car first. I, I knew that she was there. Yes. I located her. That's respectful. And, uh, and, and I was able to get enough gas into the, the VW for yeah. my friend Jack and get back to Santa Clara. I love it. So after, that's a great story. You're in San Jose. You, we, we already, you already told the story of coming up and working in photography in Macy's and everything. Um, but in, in just a couple minutes... I mean, there, there's the rest of your life. So, like, is there anything important, or, um, or like, just you know, like one? Well, no. The, the, being being at Macy's at the time I was there, I I learned a lot about problem solving. I learned the how to be confident and how to uh, do things that you had never done before. You know that that you know often people are always looking for people with experience the process of photography is often doing something you've never done before in a way you've never done it and having enough confidence to be able to get through it and ask people for help and then, you know, trust your instincts and then pull it off. You know, you're flying by the seat of your pants a lot of times, but once you learn how to do that, you can have really incredible results. So Macy's, Macy's taught me how to see light and how to design, uh, an image and then you eventually went on on your own yeah eventually i got it became my own photographer and, and didn't do that kind of work anymore i specialized in architectural lighting but but the background of understanding lighting from zero gave me all of the knowledge i needed to apply it to large architectural spaces right so yeah. okay um however long you want to talk about this is up to you um, we did it with Kim. We're doing it with all the guests this season. Our theme is we're still here. Um, speaking to all the changes, gentrification, now the pandemic, all the challenges of living in San Francisco, you're, you, if I may, are very much still here. Um, I just toured your garage right below us and that thing ain't going nowhere <laughs> and neither are you. So I want to hear, what does that mean to you, Doug? It- you know, there, there's definitely an anchor here. I've got a pretty big anchor. There's probably literally an anchor down there somewhere. Yeah, yeah. I've got that too. <laughs> yeah. um, it, it, it's frustrating. It's extremely frustrating. Um, what attracts you to San Francisco is the creativity, is the openness, the minds, the just the willingness to be zany and creative, which is what San Francisco represents or at least in my head mm-hmm. it's frustrating to see it transition to more of a moneyed place mm-hmm. where 
it's about the bottom line rather than the beauty of the place. Mm -hmm. So as I drive around and I see things becoming gray, as I see, see the painted houses losing their color, and I see that it becoming more and more drab, I would be happy if it would just become the colorful city it used to be. And that's where it has lost it for me, is that the color is going away. Hmm. And the people who are here don't understand just how vibrant and colorful it once was. And expressive. Expressive. And, right. And I, all I can do is sit in a corner and go, well, we used to have that all over. And for listeners, I will get a photo of your house. <laughs> Um, your house speaks volumes to what exactly you're saying right now. So they'll see that. But I mean, it, 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 it's, it's, it's not shades of gray. It's color, you know. And the person who comes to mind when you were driving around the city 30 years ago was Bob Buckter. Who's been on the podcast, by the way. You know, yeah. and you would look at his houses that he did the color and you go, yeah, that's so cool. You know, that's that's why I live here. You know, and you go to other cities, you don't get that. You right. Know, houses are white. It's unique to here. You know, it's unique to San Francisco that there was this opportunity for refreshing color. Mm -hmm. And the people embraced it mm -hmm. all the time. Mm -hmm. And there are still people here who embrace it all the time. There's just, there's a, there's a, uh, a lack of experimentation you know let's say we go back to the 60s and it was all about free love and experimentation people are worried about their future mm -hmm. people are worried about their job mm -hmm. people are worried about you know the image that they portray mm -hmm. you know who they are and it's like you know you can still do all that and still be expressive and creative and colorful and it doesn't have to be only three colors in your paint box. You can have the 64 color Crayola set and go to town with it. You know, that's that's the city I want to see. I want to see a colorful city. I want to see a vibrant city, but I want people to embrace the fact that color does exist. That was Doug Salen. The next episode of Storied San Francisco will be the final podcast of season four. Get to know Caitlin Galloway and learn all about the Greenhouse Project out in the Portola. Episode 49 drops next Tuesday, wherever you listen to podcasts. Music for the podcast was produced, performed, and curated by Otis McDonald. Original photography is by Michelle Kilfeather. Aaron Lim of Bitch Talk Podcast is our contributing producer. And the show is produced and hosted by me, Jeff Hunt. Now in our fourth season, we have more than 190 episodes available on our website, storiedsf.com, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you can, please rate and review our show so we can reach even more folks. We love email. Drop us a line at storiedsf at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Stay strong, stay healthy, and we'll see you next time on Storied San Francisco. This podcast is a proud member of the BFF.FM podcast network. 
Learn more at podcast.bff.fm. BFF.fm, best frequencies forever.